If you've been around me most of my life, you would know that music is a big part of, of, of my life, of who I am, how I process things, and how I do things. Um, it just always has been. Uh, from a very, very young age, I was always singing. And my, uh, is, that's still pretty much true today, I would think. If you come to our house, um, you know, we're, we sing a lot. Um, you know, Micah gets out of bed in the morning. Shallow doesn't think he likes to sing. He just wants y'all to sing. But we sing, and we have fun doing it. And from a young age, I, I sang, and you know, I started the, the easy songs that Mama taught me. And then you know, you become a become a teenager, uh, and you find your own music. So um, I, I remember going to family reunions, and I, I had a boombox back. I, I listen to uh, a lot of different music. A lot of cervix a lot. Run DMC, you know, the Beastie Boys. I went through that phase. But I also went through the classic rock phase. Classic rock. Didn't mean back then what it means today. <laughs> Because classic rock today is from when I was in school. Um, but still, I went through those phases. And I always had this music. And I never lost that, uh, that love for music and what music was. I mean, whether, and even today, my music is completely uh, very eclectic from what I listen to. Uh, I listen to anything from, from classical to, to, to old country to bluegrass to to classic rock, to, to current rock sometimes. Most of it's kind of garbage, but, um, but you know, I'm old, so that kind of stuff is better. But there's a Led Zeppelin song back in the day. The song remains the same. And, and, and I thought about that song a lot this week, because as I thought about my musical journey, for me, music has always stayed the same. When, no matter what kind of music it was, it spoke to a, a place inside me that did the same function. It spoke in, within me uh, in, in, in a way that just brings me joy, but it can also bring me to the point of despair. That, that emotional center would just completely, it was something that was the job of music for me. Um, and the song remains the same. It's very, uh, it's actually a pretty gibberish song. <laughs> but the point of the song is, it doesn't matter because music is music. It doesn't matter how it's being used, music is still the same. The song remains the same. As we are in our series here, Be the Church, I began to think about the purpose of the church and what the church is to do. Because the purpose of the church, much like music for me, has always remained the same. It may look differently in different times. We may do different things in order to accomplish the same goal, but the purpose never changes. The purpose remains. And that purpose for me is, is best found here in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has been uh, doing a lot of healing there in Matthew chapter 9. And he is in the, the towns and villages teaching and, and preaching and, and bringing the good news of the kingdom, healing diseases, 
And there in chapter 9, verse 36, it reads, When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel when the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. The purpose of the church for 2,000 years has been to make disciples. It has been to, to bring others into the fold. It's been to, to bring others to Jesus. And as I read this passage, there are certain things here that we have to, to recognize and understand in order to fulfill that purpose. And one of those is to fulfill our purpose, we'll have to have a heart like Jesus. We read this text and it says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. When we have a heart like Jesus, it doesn't mean that we, oh, it would be nice if people got saved. It's easy for us to feel that way sometimes. Well, it would be really nice to see somebody walk the aisle and get saved. And, and we kind of almost live our lives that way because we have this bubble sometimes. And it's like we know people, but we don't know people. And those we don't know, we just don't know. But for Jesus, he's looking at these people and he didn't know many of them. He, he, he didn't have a personal relationship with a lot of these people. But he wanted them so much to understand. It says compassion. The word here is Talks about a movement of your insides. Basically, you know that feeling where your stomach flip-flops. That, that feeling where there is just something that you cannot take care of on your own and everything within you is just, that is the feeling. To have compassion in a heart like Jesus literally means that we cannot fathom the thought of anyone not having a relationship with Him. That if there's anyone whether they are our friends or our family or a stranger on the street, to know that that person does not have a relationship with Jesus completely just utterly rips us apart inside because we know what that means. To have compassion means we are so driven to help them that we must do something. Ever been there? You must do something. That there is something there and you see a need and you see something that has to be done and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do Something. I'm going to help in some way. That's a heart like Jesus. Jesus didn't know what need they were going to have when they got to it. It may have been something that they may not know the need they had themselves, but Jesus could see it and bring it out. They were coming to him. So we have to have a heart like Jesus. But we also, to fill a verse, must recognize the need. You have to recognize the need. He says here that the harvest is plentiful. I like the King James here. It says the fields are ripe unto harvest. It's ready. It's ready to go. When we think harvest, we think farmers, of course. And on a farm, a true farm, everything hinges on the harvest. Everything. I remember one of my favorite episodes of Little House on the Prairie. Watch Little House on the Prairie still, anyway. 
he had planted. It was, it was the best crop he had seen in forever. It was out there. It was in the fields. And as he and Ma are sitting in the town and sitting in the house, they begin to hear it rain. And he's like, well, it won't be too bad. It'll be good. For, it'll be good. But we'll still make it through. And then the sound of hell begins. And he takes off running out into the field. Of course, there's nothing he can do. By the end of that, the, the crop is gone, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's going to lose everything. Everything hinges on the harvest. Without the harvest, it becomes a hobby farm. There's no need for a harvest on a hobby farm. A hobby farm is just something you do on the side. I'm afraid that many churches today have become hobby churches. Churches without a harvest. Churches that, that aren't doing what they're doing. At, at harvest time, everything becomes focused on the harvest. Everything else takes a back seat. There's a reason why our school year runs the way it does. Because originally it was set up on the harvest schedule. So that the kids could be home to help with the harvest when harvest happened. Because if you didn't, the kids just weren't going to be there. It wasn't going to happen. Why? Because you needed all the help you could have back then. So... Everything took a back seat. School took a back seat. All the other chores took a back seat. In this passage, Jesus seems to be saying, open your eyes. The harvest is ready and there's work to do. There's work to do. Can you imagine the disciples? I wonder what they were thinking in that moment. All these people are coming to Jesus and they're going, I'm glad Jesus is doing this. I'm glad we get to be a part. What part are they doing? I don't know. But Jesus looks at them and says, there's work to do. Not just for me, for you. There's work to do. There's work to be done. We can't have compassion or fulfill our purpose if we don't recognize the need. If we don't see the need there, then what's it matter? And it's very easy not to see the need. It's very easy to come in to this building and see the people in here and think about how much we love each other and forget that there's a need out there for Jesus. That there are people who, who don't come in these doors who need Jesus, who are dying in their sin. It's easy to forget about that because out of sight, out of mind, right? That's, that's how we do it. I mean, in my house, sometimes that's how we clean, right? There's a closet. Let's open it. Throw everything in it and close the door. Out of sight, out of mind. Especially if somebody's coming over and we haven't cleaned yet. Just saying. That's how we do things. But that's how it can happen for us. It can be a deficiency for us, right? We can look and we can go, oh. We forget that there's a need out there. We have to recognize a need. But also to fulfill our purpose, we have to do the work. <laughs> you have to do the work. Time and again in Scripture, Jesus gives commands and tells parables about what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like. And almost every one of those requires an action or an activity on the part of those who are going to be in the kingdom. He, he always says, this is what you're going to do. And after reading through those the past couple of weeks, there are several things that I have a feeling that Jesus isn't pleased with. The first one would be 
fishing without catching. <laughs> he told the boys when he called them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I don't think he meant, I'll make you try to fish, but it doesn't matter if you ever catch. I don't think he said that. Have you ever been fishing and didn't catch anything? That's why I don't go fishing. Um, it's hard. You sit there and you just wait and you wait and you wait. Take a kid fishing and don't catch anything and it's over. Because they're, they're going to get tired, they're going to get cranky, they're going to get angry. But I think God looks the same way when we're fishing and we don't ever catch because maybe we're not really fishing. I'm not saying that everybody we talk to should come to know Jesus. But the Bible says will be known by our fruits. It says that the things that we do will be fruitful and our labor will, will have some return. So we know that. But also I think he's displeased with an empty banquet table. Remember that parable where he says the kingdom of heaven is like a kingdom of banquet? And he had all of his friends invited. And when it was time to come, the none of them showed up. <laughs> none of them showed up. And they all had their reasons. Well, I just got married. Sorry, can't be there. Well, the harvest is coming in. Can't show up. And so then he said, well, go out and get this other group of people. And they wouldn't show up either. So finally he was like, you know what? Go out into the corners and find everybody you can and bring them in and put them at the table. He's not pleased with anything making him. He's not pleased with sowing without reaping. He's not pleased. One of the hardest, one of the hardest stories for me in the, in the whole Bible is the fig tree. Remember that story? Jesus is walking with the disciples and he walks up and John tells us to a fig tree that's not in the season for fruit. <laughs> and Jesus looks at it and goes, <sighs> and he curses the tree because it doesn't have fruit when it's not fig season. And when they walk by the next day, the, the tree is with it. And the disciples are like, what in the world? I'm like, what in the world? I'm, still, I'm, I'm not trying, that's a different sermon. But he was not pleased with the fig tree without fruit. He's not pleased with the lost sheep not running to the fold. He talks about going and finding that sheep and bringing it back. He's not pleased with the lost coin not sought and found. He's not pleased with a good harvest that is not reaped. There in Mark chapter 16, right before Jesus ascends, his final command is what? To go and preach the good news. The song has been the same in the church for 2,000 years. Being the church requires us to go into the community and take Jesus with us. But I'm afraid sometimes churches go. There's a local church that I read a story about who caught fire, the building caught fire. I wish the church would catch fire, but the building caught fire. See what I did there? And, uh, there was a painting of Jesus in the church that had hung there for years unnoticed. Nobody really cared about it. But two men rushed into the church and rescued the painting. And so many people came out, as people do, to watch as the church burned. And after the fire was put out, people began to gather around the picture and admire it. The same picture that they had never seen for how many ever years it was in the church, they began to admire. And the leaders of the church were so amazed that so many people were interested in this picture that had come so long unnoticed. And one guy replied, 
When the church caught fire and moved Christ into the street, people became interested. Let's catch that again. When the church caught fire and we moved Christ into the street, people became interested. What needs to happen is the church needs to catch fire. Not the building, the people. We need to have a fire that burns that says, I'm going to go out into the street and I'm going to pull everybody in. That's the banquet table. I'm going to find everybody and tell them about Jesus because I can't live without Jesus. I can't imagine you living without Jesus. I mean, that's kind of how air conditioning happened, right? Somebody had air conditioning and they were like, everybody else was like, oh, I don't want that in my house. Can you live without air conditioning today? Most of us can't. Because I'm going to tell you about it. That's how all big trends happen, right? Bluetooth? That, that was unheard of 10 years ago. But now everybody's got Bluetooth. Your crock pot has Bluetooth. Your oven has Bluetooth. Your refrigerators have Bluetooth. Everything has Bluetooth. Why? Because people said, man, this is amazing technology and it can be used. We have to be people who say, okay, Jesus has changed my life. We have to know that he's changed our life because he's done something. And we have to take Jesus into the street. That's when people become interested. People aren't interested in people who sit in the church and worship a God who isn't changing lives. They're not interested in that. Our job is to take Jesus out of the church into the streets because people outside the church will never hear or know Jesus if we keep him locked in here. But people aren't doing the work. <coughs> he said the workers are few. For 2,000 years, the song of remained the same. Our job is to share Jesus, so why don't we? Why don't we share Jesus? That's, that's, a, that's a regal we. That's me included. Why don't we? Why don't we share Jesus like we should? We have all these excuses. We're afraid. <laughs> I'm trying to teach my kids not to be afraid of sharing Jesus and being different for Jesus in front of their friends. But if I, as an adult, are living with that fear, what does that teach them? We're afraid that somebody's going to look at us and say, oh. because, and, and, I, and I don't just mean, I don't mean Facebook official sharing Jesus. <laughs> I don't mean I get on there and I share about Jesus on Facebook because everybody does that. And when people, when you do that, people just start scrolling by. I scroll by. <laughs> I'll admit it. I scroll by. I don't like to read the Jesus post most of the time because the Jesus post to me, people are putting on there just because they want to see something. They want to get a rise out of people. I don't want people to, I want people to know Jesus. I want to have a relationship. And I can't have a relationship to a screw. We can't have fear. It says, for Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to share it because everyone out there, it's the power to save. Some of us have the excuse. Somebody else will do it. That's Mary's job. I know. 
we pay him to leave the music, he should do it. That's Matt's job. We pay him to work with the youth. That's what he's supposed to do. It's Brother Troy's job. He's the one who's supposed to get up there and jump around on stage and tell us how to do it. He should be out there doing it. But it's not just our job. It's your job. It's all of our jobs to go out and tell people about Jesus. And let them know that, man, there's nothing else to do. Somebody else isn't going to do it. If we're always waiting for somebody else to do it, it doesn't get done. You ever notice that? Somebody else will do it. Well, then what happens when somebody else doesn't do it? Or maybe you say, I don't have any time. Do you breathe? Do you talk? Do you eat? Do you have time? Because if you follow what the Bible says over in the Old Testament, he said, talk about it as you're walking along. When you sit down to eat, do these things. Make sure God is at the center. We have nothing in common with these people. Well, guess what? You were created by the same God. I was created by the same God as Adolf Hitler. That's scary. But we have that in common. Take the worst person you can think of and they were created in the image of the same God you were. There's something in common there. We may not like it. It may scare us. It may hurt us. But we have to do it. I'm just one person. You heard that excuse? Just one person. What can I do? Just one person. Okay? Do you realize that if every one of us in here brought just one person next week, we'd double our size? You're just one person. And if the next week, everybody there brought one person, then we quadrupled our size from where we are right now in two weeks. Just one person doesn't matter. Abraham was just one person. And the world has been blessed again. Just one person. Well, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how to share Jesus. I don't know how to bring somebody to salvation. I don't know how to tell them how to be saved. I don't know how. In the book of John, you have Nathaniel and his brother. And remember, he goes and Philip finds him and he says, Man, we found the one who, who the scriptures talk. We found Christ, dude, come and see. And he's like, Yeah, right. He's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And he just says, Come and see. You don't know how? Come and see. Well, you need to know Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Come and see. Come to church with me on Sunday and see. Come and find out. Come and find out who Jesus is and what Jesus does. But here's, here's the key for me today. In all of this, we are the workers Jesus told the disciples to pray for. We're those workers. <laughs> we, when he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest, when we pray for God to send workers, we're praying that we go and make disciples. Because the disciples are called to make disciples. We are the people who are called to go out of the harvest. Jesus didn't mean this as a way to pass the buck. He wasn't saying to the disciples, now guys, you've done your part by following me, so pray that God will send somebody else to do it. No, he was saying, pray. Pray that God will send people in the harvest. He was saying, guys, you're fixing to go in the harvest. So be ready to go, be ready to do, be ready to do the work. We are the workers that Jesus told the disciples to pray for. The song has remained the same for 2,000 years in the church. Have you forgotten the two?
The worst thing we do in the organizations we're a part of is to point out a problem without giving a solution. And we've all said it in the past month. We're kind of low. I wonder where everybody is. Well, your solution is call and ask them. Call and check them. Love on them a little bit. You don't have to say, where were you today? You can say, I've been missing you. I'd like to see your face. That's what it takes. People want to know that they're loved. People want to know that they're missed. When we don't miss them, Something, that's, that's the issue. When people don't feel missed, they don't want to be here. Why would I want to be somewhere that I don't that nobody likes me? That I don't feel like anybody has any has any stock in if I'm whether I'm there or not. Call somebody this week. Look around. You remember the day <laughs> that I came and of a call? And I gave you homework that day, and y'all all laughed at me, right? Remember what the homework was? To look around and find someone you're not related to in order to, to make sure you're going to adopt them and check on them. Y'all all laughed at me because, well, we're, everybody's related to everybody in this town. But you can call people you're related to and check on them and love on them. You can call your friends and check on them. The song has remained the same for two and a half years here since I've been here. <laughs> Love on people. Maybe this morning maybe you've been having a really hard time because he just why can't it be like it used to be? Well, because the world's changing, but the way to make it be better than it used to be is to love on Maybe this morning you're just you're just overwhelmed. We live in an overwhelming world. <laughs> the altar's open. I'll pray with you. You want to pray? Maybe this morning you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never known the one who died. Maybe you've never taken that step to say, I want to be free from it. Because Jesus will free you from it. And he will let you walk away in freedom. Now's the time. There's no better time. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to him. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your presence.